Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I want to welcome to the program Jim Bavard. He is the author of 11 books, including the latest Last Rights, The Death of American Liberty. Uh, he's been called the Roving Inspector General of the Modern State, a one-man truth squad, and also publicly denounced by the chief of the FBI, the chief of the TSA, the labor secretary, the secretary of agriculture, the secretary of HUD, the postmaster general, and uh, various others. I could go on, but uh, we would run out of time. So let's talk with Jim. Hey, Jim, how are you, sir? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Abso- Thanks for your kind words. Absolutely. Well, they're your words. I read them from your bio. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it was a good source. It was a good source. It was verified. That's right. Verified. Exactly. Uh, you can read more of Jim's work at jimbovard.com. Am I pronouncing your last last name correctly? Is it Bovard or is it like the French kind of Bovard or something? Um, it was a French origin, but that was 400 years ago, and I was raised in the South, so I tend to go with that long O. Bovard. 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 I got it. All right. All right. Wrong with you, Bovard? <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. You got a piece up at uh, the New York Post uh, headline Biden's Big Brother teams are now watching what you buy. Um, and so I, I guess I, I should not ask you if you own what a Cabela's hat or something, or if you've shopped at Dick's Sporting Goods, or if you, you purchased a Bible or something, because I guess this means you're a, you're a, a lone wolf potential domestic terrorist. Have I got that right? Uh, uh, that's right. It's the, the uh, Treasury Department uh, Financial, uh, the, uh, financial uh, Crime Center, the uh, Financial Crime Enforcement Network, FinCEN, has this list of uh, suspicious uh, purchases and activity that they sent out to banks, and one of them was uh, buying a Bass Pro shop hat, uh, buying a Bible, uh, and if someone's got a Bible and a Bass Pro Shop, hey, you're, you're going down. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, yeah, uh, contraband. Uh, also, this and this applies to. All right, so how, uh, let's kind of get uh, just elementary here. Like, how exactly would um, would would the government know what purchases people are making, like at a at a retailer? But also, um, like, if I'm just like, if you've got something on. Uh, on eBay or something, and I just like Zell you the money, right? Zell is one of these platforms, or PayPal uh-huh. or whatever. How, how would they even know what it is that I'm buying? Well, I'm I'm not sure how it would work with Zell as far as knowing what you bought on that. But the uh, FinCEN, the Treasury Department, uh, encouraged banks to track uh, people using terms like Trump and MAGA to uh, to identify. Uh, purchases on behalf of federal law enforcement. And this is basically uh, giving those folks, um, uh, let's just say, zeroing in on those folks as potential um, uh, lone wolves. I mean, it's it's kind of a strange bunch of rhetoric they have. They In some places, they're, they're, they're warning about people being lone actors. Other places, they're talking about people being lone wolves. And I wonder if that only happens during full moons. <laughs> Well, I mean that is po- there you go. that is possible. I mean, it, it's possible. Maybe they they do time the uh, uh, the the evaluations for full moon cycles, and then they look to see if anybody is is making these purchases of 
of uh, you know Cabela's or Dick's Sporting Goods uh, or Bass Pro Shops uh, right around those uh, the full moon season. So what what is the um, what is the danger here? I mean, I know we're kind of joking about it, but this is this is dangerous, and it it seems uh, I don't know just a little bit terrifying, just a little bit. Well, it, it, it should be more than a little bit terrifying because you have the feds uh, vacuuming up information, putting it on their file, their do- dossier, perhaps for you, uh, and certainly someone like you who has been critical of the government, um, outspoken, uh, someone like me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think my chances of flying under the radar are really bad at this point. Yeah, I told uh, my wife, I'm like, look, if, if it ever gets real bad, you realize I'm going to be like first up on the wall. To get shot. <laughs> well, hopefully it wouldn't be first up on the wall. It's not, um, it's not like you're going to celebrate Christmas like they do in Bucharest. Uh, how, wait, what does that mean? Oh, uh, it, that was back in 1989 that the that the uh, that the uh, the dictator and his wife oh, yeah. were lined up against the wall and shot with a uh, summary execution. That was the, the best Christmas present the Romanian people ever got. Was that Ceausescu? Yep, Ceausescu. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, so so what happens is is that the feds come in and uh, track what you're buying, add it to your list, and so uh, so the feds might have this information that uh, uh, um, might have the records that you were uh, purchased firearms and ammo, which means that you are a potential active shooter is a term that the feds use. And so uh, so the feds might be uh, passively or actively tracking you. And, and if you go to some big protest, okay, so that's one more thing on your list. And then at some point you get people showing up at your front door and want to ask you some questions. And if you've got any brains at all, you don't answer the questions from federal agents because uh, it's a perjury trap from the get-go. Right. Don't talk to the FBI, which is uh, yeah, like, and I hate saying that on the radio and giving out that kind of advice, but like, I I don't know any other advice to give because I've seen too many people and too many examples uh, at this point of people that try to be helpful and then end up, yeah, in the perjury trap. Um, And it sort of smacks of, you know, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Uh, very much. And um, I mean, this is what's happened with the January 6th Capitol clash cases, because you've got the uh, lead federal prosecutor here in D.C. saying that, uh, you know, they're hoping to bring another thousand or two thousand cases against people who were simply outside the U.S. Capitol that day. They didn't do anything, but, you know, they were in the wrong zip code. So let's see if we can ruin their lives. At the same time, the city of D.C. is getting ravaged by violent crime, in part because the federal prosecutors are choosing not to prosecute because they want to go after the uh, Trump supporters instead. You say if uh, in your piece at the New York Post, if you bought a gun or ammo since 2021, Team Biden bureaucrats may have automatically classified you as a potential active shooter. Now, I would think that it like of all of the uh, well, first off, potential active shooter. I mean, anybody could be a potential active shooter. Like it seems like like a mass shooter or something. A potential mass shooter might be a better term. But it seems like all the mass shootings that we have had since 2021, you would think that. If they were tracking this sort of thing, I don't know, maybe red flag, maybe like they, it could have been a known wolf instead of lone wolf. Maybe that's where they were headed with this, or am I being optimistic? Um, I think you're being an optimist. I mean, part of what concerns me about this this very broad category, potential active shooter, if someone owns a gun, then they're a potential, a potential active shooter. And it, it's also part of the reason 
the feds have failed to to identify real threats is because they have preferred to have these vast labels in which the feds can treat you know uh, 20 million people as as potential felons or public safety threats and and have a reason to go after anybody who they want to go after as opposed to focusing on people who might be a real danger to their neighbors to their uh, you know local school whatever right well and it also seems like there is political benefit because when you uh, produce reports, as these you know, bureaucracies do. They produce all these reports that talk about all of the homegrown domestic terrorists and such. And so if you create a very wide net uh, to cast out into the general public, you're going to get a lot of numbers scooped up in that net. And when you do, then you can cite those numbers to kind of hype the threat, which then can motivate uh, a particular political base. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot of it's a budget game. I mean, uh, the the FBI's been talking. Uh, President Biden is campaigning on the uh, notion that uh, that the white supremacy is the biggest terrorist threat in the country right now, and uh, he's made this in a number of speeches. This uh, this ties into his uh, the um, his campaign of running against Hitler. Which he uh, brought forward at Valley Forge a week or two ago. Um, it's just—it's a way to uh, make people basically uh, terrified of their neighbors or terrified of anyone who politically disagrees or might have a sign which they disapprove. And um, Biden intends to play off that fear to try to uh, get reelected. This—you uh, mentioned this also in your piece. This connection to Operation Choke Point that occurred, I guess, now what almost a decade ago. Uh, explain what was Operation Choke Point and what are the similarities? Okay, Operation Choke Point started during the Obama administration. You had the Federal Deposit Insurance Company in the Justice Department uh, launch this choke point in order to destroy financial access for firearms companies, for porn stars, for corn de- uh, coin dealers, to, uh, to, to basically... Uh, uh, it was a lot of secret arm twisting of banks to close down people's accounts, to uh, to force them, to push them away from any kind of um, standard financial access, and to make them, um, you know, to make them uh, uh, refugees, financial refugees. And it was based on these vast, on these broad categories, like being a firearms dealer, being a firearms manufacturer, selling ammo. Um, it, uh, it, you know, it was so bad they even went after cigar stores. Now that's too far. That's I mean, too that, far, indeed. <laughs> that's, that's the line. Uh, right. But 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 this is something which lasted for at least uh, five or six years. It was only ended after Trump took office. Uh, and it was it, it was covert. I mean, the feds lied about it up and down, but the investigations proved that you know that the federal bureaucrats were browbeating banks to arbitrarily arbitrarily close bank accounts, and uh, and it wasn't like people were bouncing checks. It was just like that the uh, that the government decided certain groups of people, certain industries, must be ostracized and expelled. Yeah, just debanked them. I think people were yes, calling yes, it at the time. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a much better term. I was pawing around with about twenty words. Yeah, no, no, I remember it. Um, I think it was that was um, there was a porn star. I forget what her name was, but she like went on Twitter or something was talking about it, and all of a sudden it kind of blew up. Um, yep, a lot of porn stars got hit. Yeah, um, maybe that's the deal. If only we could have had Hunter Biden purchase a Bass Pro <laughs> Shop <laughs> hat. <laughs> then. That's, uh, um, that would certainly make a better photo than most of the photos from his hard drive. 
There you go. All right. That's right. Jim Bovard, you could read his piece at the New York Post. It is titled Biden's Big Brother Teams Are Now Watching What You Buy. Hope you pay cash. Uh, also, you could check out his uh, his personal website there, jimbovard.com. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks so much. All right. Keep up the good work, sir. Appreciate your All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out all right so this uh, this is from the judiciary house judiciary committee they released a press release as one does with press releases um talking about uh what, what uh jim bovard was uh discussing from his new york post piece um the committee and the select subcommittee have obtained documents indicated that following january 6th 2021 fincen F-I-N-C-E-N, which stands for Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FIN-C-E-N. That's from the Treasury Department, uh, that they distributed materials to financial institutions that, among other things, outlined the, quote, typologies of various persons of interest and provide financial institutions with suggested search terms and Merchant Category Codes, or MCCs, for identifying transactions on behalf of federal law enforcement. These materials included a document recommending the use of generic terms like Trump and MAGA. So if you ever put in, like, one of these, uh, what do they call them, Uh, like, peer-to-peer or something? I don't know if that's the right term for it, but... um, like Venmo is one of them. Zelle is another one where if I want to just pay you for something, I can do it with this third-party app, which I think is tied to my bank accounts, tied to your bank account. So I just like, oh, let me just Venmo you the money and I, and I send you 20 bucks because you, you, know, you paid for lunch or something. Um, if you, apparently on – and I don't use those apps. Christy, my wife does, but I, like, I don't use those apps. And so um, – as I understand it, there's like a message line or like a memo line. Like, remember on the checks, does anybody even still use those? But you would write down on the memo line what the what the payment was for. And if you wrote something on that line, in that memo line, on like Zelle or Venmo, like Trump or MAGA or something, like, you know, J6 insurrection, you know. <laughs> now, if you wrote something on the memo line, then they would use that in order to tag you with a certain, quote, typology. And once again, it always goes one direction, right? Um, they also noted uh, prior FinCEN analyses of lone actor homegrown violent extremist indicators. According to this analysis, FinCEN warned financial institutions of, quote, extremism indicators that include transportation charges like bus tickets, rental cars, or plane tickets for travel to areas with no apparent purpose. All right, so if you're just 
You're going to take a trip someplace and the government doesn't know what the purpose of that trip is. Red flag. Terrorist. (laughs) This is nuts. And uh, terrifying. We'll get Robert on. He's been waiting very patiently on the phone. Hello, Robert. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good, sir. Uh, hey. Good to speak to you again, Pete. Yes, sir. What's up? Um, I just had a qu- couple of quick points. First of all, I-, I think I heard you say earlier in your show today that, that you believe that North Carolina is a red state. Is-, is that right? Yes. Well, I know that, um, I mean, I know South Carolina is a red state. I know West Virginia is a red state. Um, but I also know that, that the Biden administration has distinctly targeted our state uh, uh, for, for as a as a as a potential state that they can turn I, I believe uh, the Democrats haven't won it since 08 but but since 08 uh, every national presidential election here in our state has been very close and obviously Kamala was here two weeks ago Biden was here a week ago I believe he's here again today so I think it's fair to say that it's a it's a purple state that could go either way. I I, I disagree with that. There's I, I, and I I know that's sort of the conventional wisdom uh, that North Carolina is a purple state. But I look at I mean it's not just yes Obama won in '08, but before that you'd have to go all the way back to Jimmy Carter, I believe, in order to find a a time when it went for a Democrat. So. North Carolina has got a decades long history of voting for Republicans for president. Uh, And the only time it it broke that mold was when it barely went for Obama in 08. So in the modern era, it is solidly I would submit it's solidly a a red state at the presidential level. Now, I also look at the uh, the number of uh, Council of State seats, the number of U.S. Senate seats that are won and. Those the the Council of State seats, they go uh, majority for Republicans, the um, uh, and the U.S. senators. uh, When was what was the last uh, Democrat we had? John Edwards, what, 20 years ago? So, uh, yeah, that's why I say it's a red state and it's getting redder. So uh, you've got uh, population growth down east that is becoming more and more Republican. Um, Obviously, yes, there are blue urban centers. And yes, uh, Democrats are very, very hopeful that they can. Uh, flip the state somehow, but they've been unsuccessful for decades now in doing so as uh, more and more people vote for the Republicans. That's been a decades-long trend as well. And I, I look at North Carolina as uh, sort of the Democrats' white whale. They they always think they could flip the state, uh, and then they just blow a bunch of money on it. And there are a lot of people inside the Democrat national parties that uh, have been burned so many times that they're not actually interested in trying to flip it um, if, I mean, if it's possible, they will, but they don't dedicate all of the money that they probably should if they thought it was a um, if it actually was an attainable goal. But I could be wrong on that. Well, I know the Biden administration uh, has explicitly targeted it, and they're also following through with their actions, having the VP and the president here. Uh, I, w- I would view Texas as more of a of a white whale. I know they've said they think they can switch Texas mm-hmm. uh, to Democrat in a national presidential election, and I, I think that is far-fetched. But I, uh, I'm i looking forward to voting here in North Carolina. I voted for Trump in 16. Now, by the way, in the 2016 primary, I voted for Marco, Marco Rubio. Mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm not one who must have his ideal candidate in order to vote. Um, and I do not want President Biden to, to win another four years. And I just... 
I, I just think that would be such a bad thing. I, I think if you now, yes, yes, Trump has flaws. Yes, he does. He definitely does. Uh, and also, I do believe, even though I do believe there was some uh, fraud in the in the 2020 election, I do believe that Biden won it. I'm not one of these kooks who are someone who is latching on to to the theories that are that are not founded in the facts. So anyway, I just I want Biden beaten. And if that if that's Ron DeSantis or if it would have been Ron DeSantis, that would have been fine with me. If it's Nikki, that would be fine with me. And if it comes down to Trump and Biden again, I will vote for Trump Mm -hmm. again. Right. So and this is so here's the thing. He won North Carolina without my vote before. And so I've been assured that uh, uh, that my vote's not needed uh, to repeat that uh, that performance. So I do have the luxury now of of not casting a vote. Now, if my vote actually mattered, if my if it came down to one single vote, then I might have to reassess that. But as it stands now, it's not a binary choice. I have options. I can vote for whomever uh, I prefer. And I prefer to usually send a message of protest that I do not appreciate being offered these candidates. And I know no other way to um, to convey that message except by withholding my vote, Um, because they do look the campaigns and the parties, they look through the data after elections. They can tell if there's ballot erosion, you know, like if people vote heavily in the in the top of ticket races and then they 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 uh, they they don't vote in the down ballot races. They know that erosion occurs. I've looked at uh, uh, election results like this, too. Out in Asheville, there was a uh, a state legislator who got uh, defeated. He was an incumbent Republican in a what they thought was a safe seat. He got beat by a Democrat. And everybody said, oh, you know, there must be something wrong. But no, if you look, people skipped that race and then voted in the race right below it in greater numbers, even though that race right below it was a more local race. It was a county commission race. It had the exact same district lines. And so candidates know uh, campaigns and parties know where people where those shifts occur, like, oh, look at this. Why did people leave this blank and then go vote down ballot? They were not happy with the candidates they were presented, I think that the Iowa turnout numbers uh, reflect that as well, that people were not excited about going to uh, to to the caucus this year. So, you know, I, again, I don't know any other way to send that message that I want I want better candidates um, to vote for in a primary. And I darn, darn sure don't like having seven and a half percent of the registered Republican voters deciding in Iowa. I, I darn sure I, I got, that really steams me that that everybody is bailing and uh, we're going to get, uh, uh, you know, this this rematch of 2020. Well, I don't know who your who your uh, dream candidate is. Maybe maybe Ray, would it be Rand Paul? Well, that well, see that's see here's the thing. I don't have a like. I, I reject the term dream candidate. No, no candidate is going to be perfect, right? No one is going to be the quote dream. No one's going to be ideal. Um, you. You pick the candidates that most align with your views, right? And, that, and and I know, like, people say, well, then you should vote for Trump, right? But but Donald Trump does not. And I, I see the things that are important to me, he has displayed and said, are not that important to him. And so he is not, uh, he, he is not even close to an ideal candidate for me. And neither is Joe Biden. And so as long as I have the option to register disapproval with the Republican Party for giving me him as the candidate, then I will do so. But look, I'm, I'm not a registered Republican. I'm unaffiliated, so I'm not even on their. I'm not even on their rolls. You know. Well, you have a big 
a big platform, mm-hmm. and you've earned it. And I'll listen to you, and I'll, I'll listen to Brett Winterbull, and I'll listen to others. And I am very uh, concerned about our, our, our nation's um, path right now. We're, we're, we're in a very dangerous time. And, and your platform, I hope, will not lead other people who are leaning right or leaning left, for that matter, to say, well, my vote, I, neither one of these candidates, I'm not happy with either, either one of these uh, candidates, Biden mm-hmm. or Trump, and therefore I'm going to abstain. I just, I just hope that, that, that your um, ambivalence does not lead others to, to say, to heck with this. Right. So here's the thing, too, I've noticed, is that a lot of people want me to be a champion for the people that they like, right? They want me to pick up the mantle because they think I will convince you know, persuadable people to vote the way uh, that they want uh, me to persuade this other person to vote. I understand that. I totally get that. I don't tell people who to vote for. Everybody has their own agency. Um, I, people ask me what my view is, and I tell them what my view is. But here's the thing. If you want my vote and you want that person who's also on the fence, who also uh, doesn't like either of the candidates and doesn't want to vote for either one of them, here's the thing. You can actually attempt to persuade people to vote as a candidate, right? The candidates can try to earn our votes. However, that has not occurred. Not for me. Um, the, 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 the Trump message is delivered and received to and for people who already support him. There is very little outreach to anybody outside of that orbit. So, and that's why, you know, when DeSantis is in there and even Haley, you know, they're speaking to different constituencies. So how do you, how do you get those people to now say, okay, I will jump on and I will support this person begrudgingly or whatever. How do you earn their votes? And I think a lot of the the DeSantis supporters will move over and vote for Trump. Not so much Haley's, you know, I don't know how many of the Haley supporters go over there, but, but Trump can try to make a play for that. That remains to be seen if he tries. I, I, I don't know. So far, he really he hasn't. But in the primaries, it's always a little bit different because you're trying to shore up your base. So we'll see what happens in the general. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I uh, if it comes down to Biden and Trump, I'm going to vote for Trump. Yeah. And by the way, no, I, I don't. I don't begrudge others. I'm in fact, I can be friends with people who I disagree with. And a lot. By the way, a lot of people, unfortunately, right now are not in that camp where they can be yeah. friends with people who they disagree with. So. Right. right. That's uh, And that's the thing, too. Is it's like I, I'm not advising people to do what I'm doing. I, I'm, people ask me what I'm doing. They're interested, and so I just tell them it's not an advocacy. Um, and if, if circumstances changes, then, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind on that, too, because we all have our own agency. And, yeah, I th- Robert, I agree. Like, I, I don't have to agree with anybody on, on who they're voting for for president. Um, it, like, it's the least interesting thing about people, usually. Uh, I appreciate the call, Robert. Good chat. Here's an email from Jay who says, Pete, everybody keeps trying to convince you to vote for Trump. No one is listening, but they keep trying. <laughs> uh, yeah. And look, I, you know, love for everybody. I, I don't I don't have any uh, animus towards any, anybody. I've had these discussions for decades uh, as a first, you know, registered capital L libertarian and then unaffiliated as I was talking about last week, I'm libertarian. I'm not a libertarian, capital L registered anymore. I'm just unaffiliated. And uh, I try to treat the president fairly. I try to see, you know, I see where he's being, I think, unfairly targeted and attacked and uh, misinterpreted and misconstrued. But that doesn't mean 
that uh, that he, I uh, I owe my vote to him. My votes are not my vote is mine. I get to give it to whomever I want. Now I understand that in the general election it might very well end up being Trump versus Biden. And I look, I I say it that way because I don't know what's going to happen. You don't either. One of them could pass away. Both of them could pass away. Right? Kamala Harris could shove Joe down the stairs or something. You don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen when we go to a convention. I don't know what's going to happen with the court cases. I don't know any of that. No one does. But that being said, all I know to do is to register my protest in that I don't want either of these men to be president. And I will let everybody else kind of fight it out. Right? And that's, I'll fight on all of the other right, all the other races down ballot. I'll focus on all of the races down ballot. I'll vote in those, uh, in those races, the legislative seats, the council of the state seats, the state level, the local level stuff. Absolutely. And by the way, if you've been listening to the show for the last three years, and even before when I was doing the podcasts and stuff, and then even from Asheville. If you've been listening to me, first off, thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you've been listening to the show um, and you have detected no discernible bias or hatred of Trump, well, that doesn't, see, like, none of that changes. I'm just going to keep doing what I have been doing. And so if you appreciate what I have been doing, nothing changes. I'm not going to get out there and advocate for people to leave it blank or to vote for a libertarian or to vote for Donald Trump or vote for Joe Biden. I'm not going to advocate for any of it. I'm just going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to offer you the, you know, the different uh, uh, perspectives and try to see the angles and read the tea leaves and the politics and all of that. That's all I can do. So, and, and look, and I get it. I know some people want me to be the champion for the person they like for an office. And if I like that person for the office, I will be. But in this case, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like him for the office. I didn't like him in 2016. I didn't like him in 2020 either. I've been leaving him blank for a while. <laughs> so he's, he's won without me before. He could do it again, right? All right. I'll see you tomorrow. No hard feelings. Don't break anything while I'm gone.